0: Hello and welcome back to the Gathering the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com I'm Regan, you can follow me on Twitter at FineFoy and and I'm joined today again by Mark
1: Hello everybody, I hope everyone's doing well except for Patrick Bamford Uh, You can find me on uh, Twitter at VillamarkPGH, I hope everybody's doing well
0: yeah uh, we'll we'll discuss the uh the, the patrick bamford thing later but um the, the leeds game really was a, a spectacle of a game to watch um and i'm sure for the neutrals it would uh it would have been very very enjoyable
1: yeah that's the kind of game that you, you know you really really like to, to watch There's two teams just going at it two two of the top teams in the championship and they played like it uh, Villa didn't really get to their game much But you can tell it was definitely a, a back and forth Entertaining contest Maybe one of the most entertaining ones we've seen this season from Villa
0: Yeah I mean like Early on into the game we were we were quite dominant uh, I think Leeds let us probably uh, Well I think they were probably letting us uh, I guess Try and lose our heads a bit like You know all oh, we've come into this game And for five minutes we've been dominating I think they were waiting to kind of pounce on any mistakes that we made Um but, yeah, it was really obvious that both squads just just wanted to prove that they are worthy and are ready for the Premier League.
1: Yeah, Leeds especially. Uh, it seemed like a little bit they were trying to fill out feel out Villa in the, in the opening, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, it showed a little bit. But, yeah, you can tell that both teams want to get back to the Premier League so bad. And regardless of all the drama that went on during the game, these are two really good sides. And it was a really entertaining spectacle to watch. Uh, if it does end up being the final, which way or the other, you know, that, that's, that's going to be a really, really fun contest to, to see and everything. But, yeah, Leeds, they're, they're a good side. As much as being talked about them, they, they are a really good footballing side. You know, you've got to put your hands up and show them a little bit of respect.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, if you look at the match stats and you didn't watch the game, um, it, it looks like Leeds dominated. You know, they, they had nearly 70% of the possession throughout the game. And um, they had 27 total shots, when, when you delve deeper into the stats the, the game tells a bit of a different story um, of, the, of the 27 total shots that Leeds actually had 12 were off target and 10 were blocked which means that they only actually had 5 shots on target um, so rather than a dominant Leeds display it's more of a sound defensive display by Villa
1: yeah it was a really sound defensive display you even talk about you know the amount of block shots that you know Villa had they had 10 blocks you know you have two center backs you know the two Villa center backs they had at least four blocks apiece there might have been a couple others that are you know half blocks that they don't really count but it was a great defensive effort from Villa and even towards the end of the game they were starting to be under pressure a little bit more but they kept a cool head it was a very bend but not break kind of a affair from Aston Villa and you know I'm sure you know Dean Smith's proud of that he Nothing. Leeds had their chances, but nothing really ever seemed threatening. Like you said, they put a lot of balls over, you know, over the net and things like that. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta just be happy about the defensive uh, performance.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously, that that's echoed by the fact that uh, Tyro Mings walked away with the Man of Match award.
1: Yeah, big Tyrone, again. He was doing a lot of things out there. You know, we talked about it in previous podcasts. He's getting really good at dummying defender or dummying oncoming players and stuff like that. He must have did it six or seven times against Leeds. He, he was actually getting a little bit of reaction from uh, from the lead supporters. You know, you can actually hear when he would he would make a move on the ball to dispatch a Leeds player. You could actually hear like ooz and ahs in the crowd. It was it was kind of <laughs> kind of funny to hear. I mean, at least the, I could hear it through the uh, the television. But uh, yeah, Mings again, just being an absolute beast. He's 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 loving it here. He's loving his role in the team. He's putting his heart on the line. He's putting his body on the line. It's, it's just, what a player.
0: I, I think if anything, that's a symbol of, uh, of of how confident this side is. If Mings can go, um, to, you know, one of the most feared teams in this division, uh, you know, in their own in their own domain, and pull off stunts like that. Obviously, he's been doing it all all for the the last six months. But if he can, if he can you know do that to to the likes of Leeds, it, it, you know
1: it bodes well. Yeah, especially doing it at Ellen Road too. You know you're going away. Uh, Leeds is really really good at home. Um, you know they've had a couple slip ups here and there this season at home. But you know for Tyrone Mings to walk into a, like a hostile atmosphere and just he just looks so cool on the ball like the entire time. I it's it's weird like in past you know previous seasons you know there'd be certain defenders or certain midfielders as soon as they got on the ball for Villa you'd be like oh are they going to give it away are they going to get it away you know how's how's it going to go with Tyron Minx I don't have that kind of anxiety even when it seems like there's nowhere for him to go except maybe to put the ball you know out to touch he always finds a way to get the ball forward and he's making these small little moves to give himself time He's, he's running through the middle when he gets space as a defender it's a really wonderful thing to see at Villa
0: well yeah obviously if you caught the game um I know we both did but for the listeners if you caught the game you'd have seen Toyo and Mings go on a, a crazy winding run within the first couple of minutes and that, that was you know I think everyone there and at home was rooting for him to just you know pull off almost an Alan hutton goal and slot it past, uh, past the Leeds keeper
1: yeah, it almost happened I, 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 It actually got me off of my seat uh, I was watching him run through the middle And runs through one, two, three And you're thinking, oh, he's about to pull an Allen Hutton Like it, it's it's about to happen And he, he fluffs his lines a little bit at the end But you can't even really say he fluffed his lines Because that wasn't a part of the story to begin with um, but yeah, just Ming's is is completely one hundred percent in, and you can tell he just wants to contribute any which way he can. He comes off as an amazing teammate. We all know he's an amazing person, and you know it's it's really good to see him go up against a talented Leeds side and, and still maintain his defensive prowess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, as as Leeds had so many shots. Granted, some were blocked and some some uh, were off target. But Villa weren't weren't great in terms of their finishing either. Um, we came close with two chances quite early on, with uh, Andre Green coming close and Jonathan Codger coming close. But other than that, I can't really remember us testing the Leeds goal much.
1: Yeah, I, I can't see, a, can't remember a lot of uh, chances other than the uh, scuff Codger chance, the half chance from Green as well, very very early on in the contest. You know, this thing about Kaj, when he's on on his day, you know, maybe, you know, three out of ten times he buries that chance. We just got, you know, one of the seven that don't, and that's, you know, that's Kaj, that's that's how he plays, but we could have really used that goal at that moment in time. But, you know, he knows that, and Dean Smith knows that, and, you know, it's something, you know, I'm sure we'll see it again, you know, in the playoffs maybe. But, you know, it's one of those games where, you know, Villa never really looked like they were going to dominate the game by any means, but they did. They did rue some of their chances.
0: Yeah, I, th- I do think Codger had another good chance where he um, his first touch let him down, but he managed to turn on the ball, and uh, he, he did fire it over the bar.
1: Yeah he, yeah, he fired it right over, and I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, this could have, he could have taken that entire crowd out of that game. You could have made Ellen Road a, a mortuary, basically, if he, he puts that in. They made a little bit of noise, but, I mean, he, he could have definitely def, – he, he, he that goal at that moment in time with what was going on in the game, with the two teams fighting as hard as they could, it could have changed the complete complexity of the whole game.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned uh, fighting as hard as they could, and – everybody knows it by now but that, that's exactly what happened a mass brawl um, all hell broke loose in around the 71st minute after uh, Codger went in for a tackle and then uh, clutched his leg he uh, was down on the floor um, either was injured or feigning an injury and uh, play continued on and uh, Tyler Roberts uh, received the ball on the left hand side and it looked like he was he was stopping the game Obviously, Villa players were uh, calling for the game to stop, as uh, as it happened ten minutes or so before, with Horahan playing the ball out while they were attacking. Um, but Roberts, you know, puts his hands up, slows down, and plays uh, through Mateus Click, um, who obviously cuts into the box, rounds Twanzebe, and uh, shoots past Jed Steer.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen uh I haven't seen much of anything like that. Um, in a, in a long time at least you know in, in the realm of football and again there's, there's a lot that's been said about it but you, it's just you gotta say something about sportsmanship and we all know the finality of what happens out of the situation but like if you rewatch it like Klitsch actually puts his hands up like he actually like almost signals it's almost like a thumbs up kind of thing of like yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna put the ball out to touch you, you can't be doing that like this is this is the big game in the championship end of the season and he knows it and dean smith said you know afterwards that Clitch apologized to him and he knows he shouldn't have done that but if you know you shouldn't have done that then don't do it it's what being an adult's about an adult is about like you just you can't do things like that it was absolutely shocking and again all the superlatives have been said it's disgusting there's no place in the game for it and it's hard to argue about that it's really hard to argue about that
0: yeah, I mean, the, the live commentary was there saying, oh, this is, you know, this is disgusting. This is morally kind of object. Um, so the commentators like, straight away agreed with it. And they said basically it was a, it was over quite disrespectful or quite, I don't know, just like morally corrupt, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just something you don't really see. I mean, every Villa player and most of the Leeds players completely froze. As soon as Klitsch, you know, goes to, you know, or Roberts, rather, rather, he is, puts his hand up to look like he's going to have a thumbs up and he's going to kick the ball at the touch, just like we gave them the common courtesy, just like you said 12 minutes earlier on in the contest. And then, then, then just send Klitsch through on the left with a through ball and, the Villa players didn't know what was going on. They, they, I don't know if they maybe thought the whistle wasn't heard or however it went down. And, you know, there's all the things about, you know, you got to play to the whistle or you don't have to play the whistle or how, how it goes, but it's, it's, just like you said, it was just a morally bankrupt happening by the Leeds players to even think that that was acceptable in, in the modern game of football. Like you, you just can't be doing things like that. And it, they have a reputation anyway. Leeds has a little bit of a reputation for being dirty. Like that's not gonna, you know, cleanse your reputation. But it seems like they revel in that more than they oppose it. Yeah,
0: there's like, the, 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 I think yeah, they definitely do do revel in it. You know, it's it's one of those things where they're known for being a certain kind of way, and they're going to live up to that name. Um, but, you know, Klitsch scores and starts celebrating, and the first person there is a cork boy, Connor Horahan, and that always seems to be the case. He's always the first one to get involved. I don't know whether he likes a scrap, or he's just very, very passionate about Aston Villa. But, you know, he, uh, he grabs hold of Klitsch, and he basically asks him, what the hell's going on? Why have you done that? Um, and obviously, at this point, uh, everything kicks off, Neil Taylor rushes over, I've never seen Neil Taylor look so angry in my life, other than when he threw uh, the uh, Grealish attacker's hat across the pitch towards him. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's an all-out melee, basically. Um, and within this, uh, Patrick Bamford comes around and uh, grabs uh, Amor El Ghazi behind, behind the back of the neck. Um, and El uh, Ghazi spins away from him, doesn't touch him, and Bamford feigns that he's been uh, smacked right in the face with an elbow, dropping to the floor in a very theatrical matter uh, manner. And you know, after all of this happening, uh, we see El Ghazi red carded, which at the time is detrimental towards our uh, hopes of reaching the playoff final. Um, and then you know, just just before the booking, you see uh, P- Bamford. Uh, throwing Hurrahan to the ground you know you know Bamford's not painted himself in a in a great light here
1: no he hasn't he and I, th- I think there might be even more I know that you know in the rules it's a you know the two match ban and everything um I just there's got to be something going on I don't I didn't really think that Patrick Bamford was that kind of player to not only you know completely fake an injury but also to like try and get a player you know you know taken off the pitch I mean yeah Algazi is immense for Aston Villa. really he's been immense for the past 11 12 13 games now uh if he would have missed out if that red you know hasn't been rescinded that's that was going to be absolute chaos and like there are players that can fill in for Algazi but with the form he's been in recently you can't say that that would be an easy fix for Dean Smith and his coaching staff you know as far as the melee and everything your emotions are going to be high again this is a very very big game you know for Leeds. it was even bigger for Aston Villa they it was almost like Villa wanted to show that they could hang with you know one of the big boys you know in the division and they did for all intents and purposes but you know when you get a melee like this a lot of emotion there's a lot of you know aggravation on the on the pitch about everything you know and in that you know six seven minutes of, of melee and trying to figure out what was going on it, it just seemed like the Leeds players had to resort to dirty tactics, and that, that's how they felt that was the only way they were going to get one up on Aston Villa on the day. Yeah, he was very passionate about wanting to you know, give the goal, and I'll, I'll give it to him until the day I die. That's one of the classiest things I've ever seen in a competitive game of sport, no matter what sport it is. He's got my respect until, you know, the day I die. Honestly, he really does. It, it, I know it's getting talked a lot, which way or the other, you know, there's always, you know, three sides to to a problem like this. You know, the truth, what's perceived, and what actually happened but for me you know Biel- Bielsa's he doesn't have to do that by any any which way of letting Aston Villa walk a go in the back of the net but he'll always have my respect for it
0: yeah so for sure um, Bielsa doesn't have to you know get let Villa walk the ball into the net but he does and the majority of Leeds players uh, seem on board with the idea after the whole kind of melee that's happened um, other than Pontus Janssen and I, I tweeted uh, just before well not just before like, earlier on in the game saying I'd love to have uh, Mings and Pontus Janssen as a centre-back pairing just because they're so tall and like domineering in defence and I really regretted that tweet after he'd, uh, he tried to take the ball off Albert Adoma who was you know walking scot-free into the uh, the Leeds penalty area to, to slot home
1: yeah he definitely seemed like he wasn't okay with giving up a goal in that kind of fashion you know fair play out you know to Leeds and you know the rest of Leeds players for letting them walk it punish Jansen, wasn't having any of it but I can agree with you that Yansen's a really really good player because he is he's a really class defender especially for you know the championship you know it's you know but the fact of the matter is is that if he still has a defender's mind and you know if your job your sole job is to stop balls from going into the back of the net you're going to I've seen a lot of banner on Twitter from a lot of fans from both sides you know saying oh you should have just you know, let him walk in walk in but you don't want to see that from especially Yance and he's been at Leeds for a while now you know he definitely has that fire you know in his belly to you know do his job so of course like he wasn't okay with that you know he's never going to be he's, he's a proud defender he's a good defender but yeah it, it was a little weird to see him try to tackle the ball off Albert when Albert's trying to just walk it in <laughs>
0: Yeah, he he did an interview after the game saying, you know, it was um, you know, it was his defensive instinct. You know, he he doesn't want to concede. He wants to keep a clean sheet. So, you know, it was very hard for him to just let a player score like that. Um, a lot of the people on Twitter were saying, Do you reckon he had a clean sheet bonus, and uh, he he was trying to uh, you know, not lose that bit of extra money.
1: I wouldn't doubt it. I, I, I wouldn't doubt if that was the case, but I really do think it just comes with the mentality of being a professional. You know, that, that's just the way it is that you have that ingrained mentally in your mind. There's so much mental strength that goes into that and so much preparation and, you know, not even outside of the whole film thing and, you know, looking up statistics, looking up probabilities and all that kind of stuff, but just the, the competitive spirit, the competitive fire of, of, I I didn't think for a second that Jensen was going to not do that. I mean, you can tell by his body language he he was not happy with getting the instruction from the that had let let Villa walk a goal in.
0: Yeah, uh, th- there was one thing about the entire situation that disappointed me like quite badly, and that's the fact that Neil Taylor has never scored a uh, a senior goal for any football club he's played for.
1: Um, yes, I saw you tweet that, and it was funny because that because who's standing right next to Albert Adema for the kickoff? Yeah, it, it's Neil Taylor. It's almost like he wanted it, and he has this he's has his hands on his hips and he's like kind of looking at Albert, like, are you, gonna, "Are you gonna? let me have this one? Are you gonna let me have this one?" And he doesn't. But yeah, it would have been nice to get Neil Taylor a goal.
0: He's—he's he's come close in the past couple of games. He keeps cutting in uh, into the box, and his shots are usually blocked or or uh, saved like quite quite emphatically. Um, but I just thought, you know, if, if that was if that was uh, me and I was Neil Taylor, I'd say right, let me score this, and I would go and literally jump in with the uh, away fans and create absolute limbs, scoring my first senior goal. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't uh, to be. Yeah,
1: if, if you're scoring your first senior goal, and especially in a match like that, regardless if it's a walk-in or not, Neil, Neil Taylor would have. All licensed to jump into that that away melee and just get get in there with the fans. He's 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 been very very good lately. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. It, that that would have just you your first senior goal. Come on, man. But hey, if he's saving it for the final, I'm okay with it. Save it for the final; and it will be all yeah, right.
0: Yeah, it would it would have been incredibly sarcastic of him to just you know jump in with the the away fans.
1: Oh, of course, but it, it would it would have just it would have been, been everything that off a little bit. It? Of, Exactly, it would have just put put that little bit of you know cherry on top of the Sunday for for Villa and for Villa fans. Uh, it's, you, you've seen all the banner about you know Adoma having the best you know goal of the season. He walks through the entire Leeds defense and all this kind of stuff. But uh, Nil N- Taylor scores at any point in time for the rest of the season, I'm gonna go completely crazy. <laughs> I want another uh, a bit another video of you the like the Adoma one. Uh, if, it, if it comes off like that like honestly like I'll, I'll try to but like the the demo was just so perfect because like I wasn't expecting to record myself I was trying to send a snapchat to somebody else it kind of just happened so I don't know we'll see maybe, maybe I'll start doing like video reactions or stuff like that we'll see <laughs> um yeah that the, you know the, the game kind of
0: didn't really change much after that you know leads continued to dominate and um the, the game ended after uh after like Seven or eight minutes of uh, stoppage time, um, but Villa Villa were really you know backs against the wall uh, for the last couple of minutes. Um, had some serious defending to do, and and Jed Steer looked like he was incredibly uncomfortable uh, on his on his right leg. I believe it was. Um, you know he was struggling to move. It looked almost as if his uh, his leg was made out of like cotton wool or something. You know he was like dragging it along behind him. Um, but he, he he got up to make a incredible save from a, a Hernandez shot. I think it was.
1: Yeah, it was from Pablo Hernandez, and you can tell like leading up to that, Jed Steer was not in a good place. Some, something happened with his ankle. Um, you know, I, I I I don't know how he even makes that save on the Hernandez. I mean, I know it's kind of right at him, but he kind of he get like puts his hand out to stop it as well, but. That's just another shining example you're seeing over the past, you know, 11, 12 games now with Villa that, you know, heart makes a difference. Determination makes a difference. And, you know, we, we already, Villa already made the three subs at that point during the game. There was no getting Jed Steer off of that, you know, off of that pitch and unless you were trying to put an outfield player, you know, in between the sticks. And, yeah, I do not want to see that happen. So fair play to Jed Steer for hanging in there and making a really, really good save on Hernandez. I did feel a little bit sorry for uh, Matija Sarkic because he looks so excited to be able to go onto the pitch. But, uh, oh, he wanted on that pitch so bad, but you can actually see it on his face when he realizes that all three subs have already been made. Yeah, like he, he almost like stands up to like a warm up, and then like he's looking, he's like, you can see the moment it hits him, and he sits back down. He 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 did want to go on the pitch; he was ready to go. It's good to see from a youngster at Villa yeah. that you know even though it's on the bench and you know things like that, but it's good to see that like he he's ready to step up if he needed to be called upon. I've got
0: two questions for you. If Jed had if Jed had to come off, which outfield yeah. player would you have put in? Ooh. Um, probably
1: go Ming's just for the hype Yeah.
0: Um, I think I think if Jack hadn't have been taken off um, wait, he, he was taken off for Whelan wasn't he
1: yes he yeah, was yeah, yeah. just
0: making sure before I say that uh, if Jack wasn't taken off I'd have put Jack in because I'm sure uh, in one of the YouTube videos I've done before someone said which outfield player would make the best keeper and everyone said Jack because he's got reflexes like a cat apparently
1: yeah, I think that was one of the. I think it was Albert Adoma. I think that I wanted to say that, and they actually um, they actually go into it and say that like he actually puts the gloves on sometimes and just messes about on the on the training pitch, and that's great and everything. But like, let's let's not get Jack injured with a ball to the face on the training pitch, guys. <laughs> but no, I think I think with the
0: players that were available on the pitch, I, I would have to agree with you, and I'd probably have said Mings uh, just for the
1: height. Yeah, the height, the athletic ability, I mean, he's he's built, like, he's, he's, very, he's a very athletic man, very muscular, you know, he's tall, um, we've seen him, he can, he can jump in the air the whole night, so I, I would definitely, obviously, still be nervous about it, but if I had to pick of anybody, it would definitely be Ming's.
0: Um, my second question is, with the fact that Sarkic is, uh, is, has remained on the bench, even though Kalinic is uh, back available for selection... Do you reckon Sarkic is going to start on the on Sunday against Norwich, or do you reckon, you know, do you Steer will play? What what do you think will happen?
1: It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Dean Smith said that that Steer and Cod are going to be okay with their injuries uh, going into the playoffs. He didn't. He kind of alluded to the fact if either of them would be available for the Norwich game. Uh, I wouldn't be upset to see Sarkic in the net. Uh, I I think he's a. I've watched him play a couple of times in you know seasons past. Uh, you know, while he's with Villa for the uh, under 23s and under 18s, he can—he definitely plays a very agile goalkeeper. Um, I, I don't see why not, but you know that really all depends on Steer's fitness. Or, you know, Dino's going to have to have a big, big decision on what his team selection is going to be, and he has to stay within the rules of, uh, you know, squad rotation. There's rules now; you can't just sub off 11 players. You know, people know that, but some people still are like, oh, just throw the kids on, throw the kids on. Well, you can't do that. Like, you just—you're just, you're not allowed. Uh, I'm not even sure what the penalty is for it, but they definitely monitor that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think obviously McGinn has to be rested just because of the uh, the the discipline uh, rules. You know, if he gets another yellow card, he will be banned for the playoffs. So.
1: Yeah, that goes that goes without saying. I, I you know, and again in the in the post match presser, Dean Smith like he almost like started belly laughing whenever they're like, "Oh, John again got a yellow today. Is he gonna start a Norwich game?" And he kind of like slyly like looks right in the camera. He's like, "I don't think he's gonna make the game for Norwich." Yeah, I, I can't think of who who else you know should be
0: rested. You know, do we rest Jack? Um, do, you know, give give Henry Lansbury some game time. You know the. The, the the thing that we can do here is let some players be rested that have played so much football and get some players up to speed just in case we need them.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do think Henry Lansbury comes onto the pitch at some point. Don't know if Bjornerson does. We um, I mean, could see a Jacob Ramsey sighting, but that might be a late game kind of substitution. Uh, maybe Albert Adoma to get get a little bit more minutes. Uh, as far as defense, I don't think you see. James Chester come in I would have liked to have seen it but you know the Leeds game kind of went a different way than I thought it was going to yeah I don't know this is going to be a real real tricky you know thing for Dean Smith and his coaching staff but you definitely need to make rotation I wouldn't be upset to see Lansbury in for Jack Uh, Dean Smith has said on multiple occasions that he sees Lansbury as being one of those forward type thinking players and we didn't really get to see much of that from Lansbury uh, under Steve Bruce so I'm hoping Dean Smith might you know look at him to to do that kind of thing in Jack's absence or to just arrest Jack. I think with, with the
0: the whole the whole of the defense, you know, if everyone's fit, Dean Smith has such a selection headache because how do you drop Mings and Wednesday after that performance against Leeds?
1: Right, but they did have a really really good defensive game all around. Uh, the, the entire defense had had a really really good yeah, game. Yeah. They they stuck their necks out on the line, but it might be one of those things where Dean has to actually get all four of them men in a room and be like, "Listen, I'm not dropping you for form." I'm dropping you because I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get a red card. I don't want you to get this. You know, I don't want anything You know, silly to happen. There will be one or two of you that may sit out the Norwich game. It's nothing personal. You did nothing wrong. We're just going to give you a recovery day instead of getting, putting you in, into the match squad. And not, not, That's not to say they won't be on the bench, but that could be something that Dean Smith does. It, it, it wouldn't be as harsh as just a drop, but it, it, at this time of the year, coaches do like to go to their players and let them know whenever they're going to be rested. And, but you have to. You, it's the same thing, though. Like, does that break up the chemistry? It, it's it's a big ask. The, the, the entire situation and making the decision is a big ask.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I don't think anyone envies him in in making that decision. Um, but let, let's move on to today's news. Um, today, Bamford has been charged with successful deception of a match official. Uh, and more, Ghazi's red card has been rescinded, um, and both Villa and Leeds are being charged with not being able to control their players after the clip goal. Um, I believe that's a twenty thousand pound fine.
1: I don't even think that that's enough. I know, I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But no, the Bamford thing—we knew that was going to be overturned. Uh, he doesn't make any contact with El Ghazi when El Ghazi swings his arms around, and I even think if he did, that they would rescind the red card. If, Probably could have been a yellow if he accidentally you know, just hit, you know, brushes up against his head, and he didn't even do that. Um, yeah, the Bamford thing, I, I just think that's obvious. I don't think the FA was ever going to let him get away with you know, making a, a, a key player for, for Villa sit out for, I guess that would be all the way to the playoff final, I think. It would have been three games. Yeah, so yeah, justice is served. We all knew it was going to happen. Leeds Twitter is absolutely having a, a, an existential meltdown right now because they they think that Haynes should have got something out of it he doesn't you know He won't get something out of it but the Bamford thing it's embarrassing it's a disgrace there's no room for it in football and and justice prevailed at the end of the day
0: yeah and you know uh, Anwar tweeted after the game saying that he, he believed that justice would prevail and it did
1: yeah, and, and he knows. He knew he didn't do anything wrong. Anwar Ogazi doesn't seem like that kind of guy that's just going to go out there and maliciously hurt somebody, even if it was an accident of just trying to get somebody off of your back in, in a scrum type of melee. He doesn't seem like he, he's he's that kind of guy. He shows a lot of fire and a lot of determination on the pitch sometimes, especially when he loses a ball, he tracks back really fast. You can tell tell by his body language he cares, but he's not, I, I would never rate him as one of the types of players to go out there intentionally trying to hurt somebody, even in the dramatics of what we saw at Villa against Leeds
0: no i wouldn't either to be fair but let, let's let's move away from the uh from from the uh i can't even think what to call it anymore the the
1: drama should we say right the drama, um, the theatrical drama
0: <laughs> let's move away from the drama of the game and, and look at villa's performance a bit deeper D- does our performance worry you at all villa only had 31 percent possession against leeds uh, we had thirteen shots, which you know isn't bad, but only four of them were on target, and we we missed so many chances. Um, you, you know, if if we do end up playing Leeds uh, over over two legs or uh, the final, you know, it's, obviously it's worse if it's two legs. We can't have thirty one percent possession over two legs, like we just can't. It, it's not sustainable for the game, and you know we need to improve in that area. I think it probably would if we were, you know, in the game at Villa Park, if we do play them over two legs. But, you know, that, that needs to be improved on.
1: Yeah, it definitely needs to be improved. And, you know, to answer your question, is the performance against Leeds worrying at all? For me, it's a very, very slight amount of worry, only for the fact that we are coming up against another really, really good team and we kind of let them get to their, their game. Now Villa's proven they can do that with multiple different teams over this last 11 12 games now. But against Leeds, I don't really think that's what that's how you want to play that. That's just my opinion. I'm, I'm I'm not a professional coach, by any means, but you can tell that, you know, Villa came out on the front foot in the first 15 20 and Leeds kind of turned it up trying to, you know, play their game. You know, like you said Villa only had 31% of the ball for the entire 97 minutes of the game. That's not good enough. I'm sure Dean Smith knows that's not good enough. Even a casual fan would say that you know, Villa got pretty much I guess, dominated through possession in the latter stages of the game. 13 shots, that's, a, you know, a little, it's, it's average. It's, it's, it's a little bang average, especially, you know, for Villa. There are games that we shoot a little bit higher than that. But the only four on target. We can't be having that. We have to have a much larger percentage of the shots that are going toward the net, actually hit the net, you know, test the keeper a little bit. They didn't really get to do that much against Leeds. Uh, Dean Smith said it, you know, again in the post-match presser, that it was a bend but uh, don't break kind of game and he, he he wasn't kidding. I mean, the defense played really really well. They did their job immaculately well, but you have to, you know, that defense has to be getting repaid with goals and it's, and possession leads to goals. If they're not getting possession, they're not getting goals and that, that's not good enough for Aston Villa.
0: Something that I've I've just thought of that, that I find quite interesting. Um Dean Smith played as a defender. John Terry played as a defender. I'm not sure about Richard O'Kelly, but he was more than likely a defender. And then we've got Neil Cutler, who's a goalkeeping coach. There are four main men on on the touchline. Um, So does that surprise you that we've conceded the least amount of goals in the championship um, during our unbeaten run? Because it shouldn't. What should surprise you is that we're playing such attacking football with these defense, like these experienced defenders, basically, um, and the, the, you know we, we've we've also scored the most amount of goals on in this unbeaten run.
1: Yeah, I think that it's definitely something to be said about the coaching staff being so defensive minded. I don't really think that, I it's not a bad thing to have them many defensive coaches, but I think it's more to the fact of just preparing these players, especially, you know, the defense, preparing them for all kinds of different situations that might be thrown at them. Like, yeah, they're not the most experienced lot in the world, minus maybe El and I guess Neil Taylor a little bit too. But, you know, just as a team, just having the, you know, knowing the defensive shape, knowing when to push up, when to come back, knowing what to do when you concede a goal. Like Villa haven't looked terrible conceding goals in the past 12 games. Like they, they had a little bit of a bad trend there for a while, letting up an early goal, but the determination was still there. It was almost within the next 10, 15 minutes after conceding, Villa, you know, goes down and scores a goal on the other end, you know, for themselves. You know, that's that's a sign of a great defensive team. And you can say that, you know, with all those defensive coaches, that maybe defense is looked at first and foremost without being boring. You know, it's not like a Tony Pulis kind of, you know, thing where it's a grind out, you know, defense absolutely 100% first thing. But I think that the, the, the way for Dean Smith to play the football that he wants at Aston Villa... The defense has to be sorted, and it has to be finite, basically, to where you're very sharp in all phases of of the game in every which way of the pitch. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. Like you said, we're very offensive, but our defense is really, really good too. It's hard to see teams breaking us down some of the time. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely got to be, you know, the JT and Dean Smith and the rest of the coaches.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, but I think every – Everyone defends as a unit as well. We attack as a unit and we defend as a unit. And that's something that I really like seeing from Aston Villa. Um, something that I'd like to point out is uh, there was a point in the game, I think it happened once or twice, when uh, tuan zabi uh, rushed forward uh, very Mings-esque as he did earlier in the game. Um, and he rushed forward and almost made it into the opposition box uh, before he was dispossessed. And, you know, he's just sprinted down the pitch. He, he's knackered. So Jonathan Codger uh, sprints and basically gets into Tanzania's position, and that that's something that's so key that you know he's not obviously you don't really expect it from Codger, You expect him to kind of you know be like huffing and puffing that he hasn't had a pass or something, but you know he he was he was running back to make sure that we had the defensive cover that we needed.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the whole team effort that you know the the just the feeling in the camp right now you know it's it's got to be it takes a village you know to to get promoted out of the championship and you need you know even small little subtle plays like that like Jonathan Codger running the complete opposite way the opposite pattern of play you know to get back on defense because Twanzeby's making this long winding you know mazy run and it you know, I don't think you see that from Jonathan Codger If Steve Bruce is still at the helm, I, I think he's just, you know, we're gonna put you on your island and that's where you're gonna be, and you know, we'll send lifeboats to you when we need to. You know, for him to run back like that, that that showed that that's that's coaching and that's tactical awareness it, through, you know, Dean Smith, you know, John Terry, whoever. You know, that's that that that's just a mindset. That's a champion's mindset. That's a we have a goal, we want to go and. And, um, you know, as a team, as a collective, we, we want to see it through. And if you're seeing it from guys like Jonathan Kaja who, you know, I'm not slating the guy whatsoever, we know sometimes that he, he can be a bit lazy and sometimes he can, you know, rue some of his chances, you know. But, you know, when he does something like that, it's showing that something's getting through his mind to where he's able to identify that there, you know, is a space that he needs to be in no matter where he's at on the pitch. And, you know, I, I noticed it right off the bat when he did that with Twan Zabe. And I, 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 I think I actually audibly started clapping <laughs> to nobody because you need that at this time of the season for what we're trying to accomplish. You need players to do that kind of stuff to get into positions where there's a gap. You just need it. That's, that's how you get promoted.
0: And I, I think as well, I, the, the talk about Codger has made, made me kind of think about this. Is I think we've got the perfect blend of uh, players that experienced the disappointment of getting to the final and losing last year and new blood
1: yeah I think so too i, I and last year was great, don't get me wrong, but you know i I tell a couple of villa fans this you know the you know very few that I have around me in the states is that like you guys can't look back. we're not going that way. we're going forward and yeah, last year was great, and the players we had were you know really good, and everybody misses Robert Snodgrass. I don't know one villa fan that says, oh, you know, I don't miss him this and that no you know he was he he played a big part at the club last year so, so, you know others did as well, but the fact of the matter is like we're we're pushing forward now. Um, I, I do think that this team is one of the better Aston Villa teams I've seen I mean it's, it's, I don't even want to put a time frame on it They're just a really, really, really good squad I, I, Playoffs I would have never thought it two and a half months ago No one would have thought it two and a half months ago But I really feel that like the Villa are the team right now That no one wants to face They just don't want to play them right now We're, just, we're red hot We know how to play any, any different style And it's, it's so refreshing to watch
0: I completely agree. And I mean, I don't fear any opposition until match day. Like, like I was like, yeah, I think we can beat Leeds. Um, but obviously match day comes and the match day nerves come with it.
1: Yeah, the match day nerves come in. It and I was I was vocal about it on the last podcast. I, I thought we were going to give Leeds a run for our money. And I mean, if you really sit there and analyze the game, we did. It wasn't pretty. We didn't have our best game. It wasn't entertaining. We didn't fill the back of the net. But, you know, it was, even, it was an even-if game. It was a draw at the, end of the, at the end of the day, so you can't say one team won or lost. And technically, both goals should have never happened anyway. So it's, it's, one, <laughs> it's one of those things where we went up against one of the better teams, you know, in, in the division, a team that was sitting on top of the table at Christmas. They're not going to get automatic promotion. That's the first time they ever did it because they're falling apart again. I'll say it. <laughs> but it, it's the whole thing of, you know, it's just it's a great time of the year and you know, you need results like that. Villa, Villa are gonna have to ground out games like that. We saw it in the semifinal last year against Middlesbrough where what do we get out of that with a one one nil aggregate? Yeah. The Mila yep, yep, yep. Big Mila, you know. And hey, if that's the way we gotta do it again, I'll I'll I'll, I'll gladly. I'll, I'll take that. It's <laughs> it's nervy over two legs, but I'll take that every time.
0: Yeah, man. And I mean like not fearing anyone East Key at the moment because the playoffs still aren't fully decided we can't go any higher or lower than 5th we've cemented our position but uh, Derby and Middlesbrough are uh, hotly contesting for 6th place and Leeds and Baggies are hotly contesting for 3rd and 4th so like you know we could be playing Leeds sooner than we expected over 2 legs or we could be playing West Brom uh, over 2 legs
1: yeah, um, I, no one really knows what's going to happen. Uh, it's 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 crazy to think that it's gonna, it's going to come down to the last game of the season to figure out who we play in the playoffs.
0: But you you know what I would absolutely love I would absolutely love to meet Derby County in the final because we've absolutely wellied them both times we've played them and it would just be such a good day to do it for a third time and you know in front of a sellout Wembley as well.
1: Yeah, I think I messaged you. I think it was yeah yesterday after the game. I I was at you know, work by that time and everything, but I was I was sitting there on break and I'm like, Oh, how great would it be if Darby County knocks off Leeds in the semifinal and then we do one over on West Brom and then the final's Derby County. I mean, I don't I'm not discounting Derby County like whatsoever. Um I just like you said, we if we got them both times this season. Um, yeah, I mean, well,
0: based on games this season, I'd much rather it be Middlesbrough or Derby than Leeds or Baggies.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, but I, I don't know. I mean, you better, better. If, if Derby find a way to, you know, solidify their spot and they're going up against Leeds, you know, and Leeds, uh, you know, does what they have to do to see it through. If that's the matchup, Leeds better be careful. That's a, that's a banana peel, you know, semifinal to me. I, 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 I might want to stick a couple, you know, a little bit of money on, on Derby beating Leeds if that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I think I think we should probably uh, highlight another villasoid that that did pretty well this weekend as well, in the uh, Aston Villa Ladies. Um, they played London Bees and ran out five-one winners in that game. Absolutely thrashed the London Bees. In um, the the club's home homegrown players were the ones that really stole the show. Um, Jade Richards, the captain, headed an opener and we, we found out after the game that she'd uh, been playing the game with a broken hand um, she broke her hand against Manchester United when she was uh, actually forced to go in goal after Sean, Reg- Sean Rogers was sent off um, the other goals came from Asmita Arle, who scored her second goal in uh, in as many games uh, Amy West with a wonder strike and then youngster Tanisha Smith um Added a brace to round off what was a pretty superb afternoon for the ladies.
1: Yeah, the ladies are doing their thing, you know, and it's it's one of those you, you got got to start getting some notice on them, you know, the, the the spotlight's got to shine on them one way or another, and they're they're a good side, you know. Jade Richards, one one of my favorite. I mean, all of them. You just talk about all the, all these girls; they're just really, really, really talented. Uh, five one over London bees. It's definitely not something to just shake a stick at. I, I don't know. It's It's one of those things. Gemma Davis has these girls just playing so well, and it's just so constructed. You know, Carrie Welsh is, is, is doing, you know, doing things for him. I don't know, it's is, it's one of those things where I just wish the club would highlight the ladies just a little bit more. I know they have their own social media channels and things like that, but I, I just wish it was just highlighted just a little bit more to get the word out on them, to get people excited to go see them. I know they don't play on, on the best days of the week, and I know they're not as entertaining as the men's side, and that's the opinion a lot of people like to have. But, I mean, you go down there, you go, go watch Jody Hutton play, and you, t- you tell me that that's not entertaining football. That's just my opinion, though. I don't want to go off on a rant about it. I, you know, I've said it on previous podcasts. I'm, I'm a big back, backer of women's football. I have multiple friends of mine that play it here over in the States on a collegiate level. I see how much hard work they put in. I see how much it means to them, not only as, as athletes, but, but as human beings. It's a beautiful thing. I, I just wish that the Villa ladies would have just a little bit more spotlight shown on them. And, you know, us at Under a Gaslit Lamp, we try to do that as much as possible. But, you know, we're only, we're only one, one blog. We try so very hard to, you know, sy- shine a little bit of spotlight on these ladies. And we, we do love them.
0: I mean, as well, the, the the ladies are doing something that Villa might be forced to do should they not go up, and that's really make use of their homegrown talent. Um, all five of the Villa goals against the London Bees were scored from players who've come through the Ladies Regional Talent Club, um, and seven of the 14 players used were all from Villa themselves. You know, they were, they were homegrown. Um so that's that's something that's really quite pleasing and it, it shows that it can be done um and you know villa villa are very close to securing them play securing themselves a place in the top 6 this season which considering how uh poor their start to the season was would be absolutely amazing
1: yeah it would be great and you know you know you had, you touched on the the homegrown talent and that's that's something i think needs to get worked back into aston villa as a football club all around with the ladies and the men you know we 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 know all about you know the the men's side to where there are a lot of you know talented players that you know have been dispatched on since Dean Smith came in but you know you think about players for the ladies side like Haley Crackle I think she joined the club when she was nine years old you know so like she's she's been doing this a long time and you know the, her journey from from that to now that it's amazing and it's something to see I don't think that stories like that get touched enough in, in the ladies side but yeah this this team definitely has something special and, and you know, they, here's hoping they go up in, in one way or another. You know, it's you still have the whole thing of, of you know up and a professional side, and that, that plays against them. But I really do think that's going to change here in the next couple of seasons. We just have too much talent. We can't let them go. You know, off for one reason or another.
0: Yeah, I think as long as, lo- as long as this side stays together, the better they'll become. And I don't think it'll be too long before they're actually challenging for promotion to the uh, the Super League.
1: Yeah, I, they definitely have the talent. I mean, Tanisha Smith's a beast, man. Like, there's, she's she's something else. I mean, it's playing, playing with, a it was Tanisha, right, that had the broken hand?
0: Uh, no,
1: it was Jade. Oh, Jade, yeah, it was Jade that had the broken hand. Um, But, yeah, Tanisha Smith's just massive. You know, Jade Smith, C.N. Rogers, all of them, they're just, they're talented girls. I just, I urge anybody listening, just start paying attention to them. You know, just start, You know, follow the Aston Villa ladies' social medias on everything and start following them and, and you know, recognising these players for, for what they're doing because they are a talented lot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, highlighting further homegrown talent, um, the, the under-23s have uh, made it to their playoffs uh, for the second year running, uh, just like the senior squad. And they'll be facing off against, uh, I believe it's Southampton, this Friday um so they'll be hoping that you know uh, history doesn't repeat itself as uh both the under 23s and senior squad made it to their respective playoff finals and both lost last
1: season yeah they're playing southampton i believe that's a i think it's may 3rd 7 p.m uh, england local kickoff uh yeah it'd be great for the u23s to do it especially with the you know how, how things ended uh last season form and it'd be, it'd be a, it be a great way. I believe they beat Reading five, five, one, or no, they leapfrog Reading, Uh five, one home victory over Sunderland. But yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's so much going on in Aston Villa right now. It's almost hard to keep up with, but you know, it's all, it's all seeming like it's positive and it it became positive, you know, very very quickly it seems like you know with the amount of youth that's coming through the team and even you know even with the ladies side it's really refreshing to see and I I do believe it's my you know just my personal opinion that that's what Villa has to get back to Uh, it doesn't always work out for clubs when they try to do that when they try to you know foster through homegrown talent but you know that, that could be something you know a little unique to Villa to be able to you know prepare talent we have these amazing training grounds and things like that and you know long may it last.
0: And I think that's probably the best place to end this podcast. I think we, you know, we've highlighted the Leeds game, we've highlighted the, today's news of uh, Bamford's ban and Elgar's rescindment. Um, and we've discussed the ladies and the under-23s who are also doing so, so well. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please subscribe, please give us a like, a review. You know, you know everything that everyone else usually asks for. We'd like that too. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Villalamp, uh, Facebook, Facebook, under a gaslit lamp and instagram at under a gaslit lamp thanks for listening guys and we'll see you again next week.